Ion 2020, episode 324. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life, and I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism, and if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom, and you could do that by going to eyeontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to eyeontheempire.com slash liberty. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, host of Eye on 2020, bringing you another week looking at the 2020 election and all of the news and events that are happening across our world and especially across the United States, letting you guys know from a libertarian perspective all the things that are going on. Uh, appreciate you joining me again. Uh, this is your Monday show, and we pretty much had a huge game changer in the election over the weekend. If you want to talk about an October surprise that comes early, uh, this is it. And it sounds terrible. It sounds unempathetic, actually, to sit here and talk about somebody's death as if it is a uh, political opportunity for a specific group because, I mean, it's just it's just a complete lack of empathy. But that's all, that's all you're seeing in the news since it was released Friday evening that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has died uh, from pancreatic cancer. And that's really sad, man. Like, she's been fighting this thing for a long time. The the lady, I think in the early 2000s, maybe the late 2000s, something like that, she was fighting cancer. And then you've heard about it several times in the last, you know, four or five years that she's had these problems and stuff. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of like people knew that most likely the next president would be choosing a replacement for her. Because if you did get a Democrat in office, I guarantee you in her mind she probably would have retired. Just because she was 87 years old, she's had a lot of challenges with health in the past, and you would not want to do a political crapshoot and have a 2024 come around. Uh and then you get a Republican in office again. Like they're going to protect that liberal seat in the uh, Supreme Court. That's just the way that politics is nowadays. So you would, so you are guaranteed that you knew that the next president would have gotten to choose who the Supreme Court nominee would be. 
who the next Supreme Court justice would be. It just came a lot sooner than you expected, or maybe not a lot sooner than anyone expected because she has had some health problems lately. I think the last news article I read was probably about a month and a half ago where she went to the hospital and the Supreme Court kind of announced it that she went to the hospital. And also, um, and I think that they said there might have been a resurgence of cancer, but they kind of leave, they, they, they don't give you a lot of information in the news because obviously that's someone's private health concerns and stuff. So it sounds really that people have a lack of empathy right now, especially uh, when it comes to somebody's death. And now it's all, all of a sudden a political issue. Uh, I did hear an interview last night, or maybe it was, no, I think it was actually Friday night after I heard it. I was kind of uh, blowing through the news and stuff because I heard it when I was at a bar. We were hanging out drinking and watching some baseball uh, at a bar in my neighborhood, and I heard it. Uh, and I was just like, holy crap, that's crazy. It's a, that's a game changer for the election, you know? Uh, that's the first thing I thought is, wow, that's going to really take over the entire news cycle for the next six to eight weeks. Um, because that's what they're going to be going over between now and the election is who's going to replace her. Um, but I heard it and then I was, I got home and I kind of just started flipping through a couple of channels and Donald Trump heard it and he said, wow, that's sad and all that. Like he seemed like he had some slight empathy on it for that time being, but he had just heard it literally from that news reporter because it wasn't, it wasn't public knowledge at that point. I don't think, I think it probably happened just before Donald Trump walked up to that news reporter. That information must have came out. Uh, but then the next day, Saturday morning, he says, we need to get some, get somebody in now. We need to get the process going. I think he even said, I, I read one news article that said that uh, the holdup is not going to be on this side of Pennsylvania Avenue, that we're going to get a nominee in there pretty quick. We want that person confirmed. Uh, Mitch McConnell even mentioned that he was going to get that person confirmed as well so now it's not you know sympathize for the family now it's not you know say your prayers for the family and all that now it is basically you know get this guy confirmed get a new person confirmed or a guy or gal i guess confirmed uh to the supreme court and then ruth bader ginsburg's family made it a political issue right off the bat because in a public statement one of her, I think it was one of her granddaughters, said that, you know, her dying wish was that the next president would choose who's going to fill her seat and all that. Like, to me, they made it a huge political issue as well by saying that. I obviously know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg did not want her seat being filled by a person that was nominated by Donald Trump. Clearly, that's the truth. Did she say that a couple days before her death while she's laying in bed, you know, with nurses around her and all that stuff? It seems a little... It, it's uh, on her deathbed is the way it sounded like to me in the news story. And I'm sitting there listening and I'm just like, yeah, right. That's not what she said. Obviously, her whole family knew or assumed to know, I mean, that's, that she wouldn't want her seat filled by Donald Trump, that she'd rather have that seat filled by... Uh, a Joe Biden nominee or whatever, a Democratic nominee. Like, obviously, that's the case. Uh, so you don't even have to speculate whether that's the truth. But did she say it on her deathbed like her granddaughter said? And it just does, That doesn't seem like something that I would be too concerned about 
on my deathbed, you know, like I'm about to die. I got my, you know, five kids, my 20 grandkids and all these people around me. And the last thing I'm going to be concerned about is that the thing I'm concerned about is, you know, letting them know that I love them, that everything's going to be okay and all that stuff, you know, that's about it. And just making the best of that time that you have and not being concerned about politics. Because the one thing that is of no concern in life when someone dies is politics. Like that's the one thing that you stop paying attention to in life when someone dies is politics or when someone's on their deathbed. Like you set aside all of that stuff. Politics is such a useless exercise sometimes you guys know how i feel like i just i i can't stand politics although i do this show every single you know twice a week i'm doing a show about it i just i i hate politicians i hate every like a lot of things they stand for but i love freedom and i love spreading freedom i love spreading liberty i love talking about liberty i love talking about you know ways that we can bring more liberty to america and bring more liberty to the world I love talking about those things, so that's why I do the show. But in doing so, the political leaders are out there to try to take away your freedom, so we have to fight a war against them. And not a war with guns and bombs, but a war with words. We have to get out there and try to push our agenda towards limited government. That's important stuff. But politics on my deathbed? Probably not something I'm going to be talking about. So that that was kind of odd that they did that. But that was just bringing it more of a political issue. So she says that. Donald Trump says we need to fill this thing quick. All the Democrats are jumping on board saying, hold on, that was her dying wish. At least let her have her dying wish. Wait till after the election. But it's going to be a lot of foot dragging that's going on right now. Right now. So the way that the Supreme Court is set up. so Because this is where it gets into the importance of it, right? And that's what I want to talk about today is the importance of a a seat in the U.S. Supreme Court. So there's nine justices total. As of yesterday before she, or yeah, as of yesterday before she died, or not yesterday, sorry, um, as of last week before she died, you would say that there was five conservative justices and four liberal justices. Now, there are some justices that are a little bit more conservative than others. And there's a few justices that are a little bit more liberal than others. Like uh, Sonia Sotomayor is uh, the most liberal of the justices. And then Clarence Thomas is the most conservative of the justices. Isn't that funny that the black guy in the U.S. Supreme Court is the most conservative of the justices? Uh, that that's That's pretty funny to me, uh, just from a sideline perspective i guess and then sody mayor is considered the most liberal of the justices and then ruth Bader ginsburg would have been right below her or right above her on that on that spectrum but then the so-called conservative justices two or three of them are like very very centrist right especially john roberts very very centrist kind of goes both ways he'll vote with the liberals he'll vote with the with the um conservatives you know on different issues and stuff so you have that is the dynamic up until the other day now you have five five conservative justices and three 
that are liberal. So with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death, getting it set where there's six conservative justices and three liberal justices, then you can afford to lose one seat on the conservative side and still have a majority. You can have somebody retire on the on the conservative side and still be okay in that situation because it's a 5-4. It would be a 6-3 to three majority if Donald Trump can get his person in to office. Now, what does that mean for Donald Trump? Getting a sixth judge on the conservative side when he's already chosen two of his own, that'll be a third judge that he gets to choose. That means that the conservative legacy, an America first legacy, a legacy that Donald Trump wants to happen, you know, his agenda can get pushed through the Supreme Court for decades to come in that sense. That's where the legacy is. That's where the importance of that seat is. And that's why Donald Trump is going to try to push hard to get that in there before the election because the election's a crapshoot. Most likely, Donald Trump is going to lose the election uh, from a lot of the polling and stuff that's going on. But who knows what's really going to happen. So that's going to be the issue, is get that person through before I'm no longer the president, and now I have that legacy, now it's a conservative thing. But I don't know for sure that Donald Trump is Mr. Conservative himself. You guys know that. He's not super conservative. He's a populist. He's somebody who is out there to get reelected. So for him, it's really going to come down to we need this to be used as a battering ram against the Democrats in order to get me reelected. So we're going to push to get this person through. We're going to push to get this person to the Senate because that's all that they're going to be talking about for the next six weeks. And this is the October surprise that we needed in order to change the dynamic of the election. Now we're fighting for Roe v. Wade. Now this election is about overturning Roe v. Wade slash protecting Roe v. Wade in the conservative person's mind, in the Christian conservative person's mind, who might be against abortion, that's what he's going to be able to push it towards, is we need to protect conservative values, and that's how you do it, is through the courts. Because we have seen how powerful the courts can be over the last, uh, I mean, from the very beginning, you saw how powerful the courts can be. People were trying to end slavery through the courts in the past, and they overturned those things, you know? From the very beginning, it's been an issue of the courts and protecting uh, the Constitution through the courts or getting things passed and, say, and the courts saying, yes, that is constitutional. And what they say sets the precedent, so what they say goes. So this election from here on out is going to be about Donald Trump using it as a way to get reelected and Joe Biden using it as a way to get reelected. Like all the issues just went out the door. The Democratic, or the, not the Democratic, but the um, the presidential debates that are going to be happening are going to be all about this issue. Who's going to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Who's going to be the person who is going to replace her? Is it going to be a Democrat that gets to choose or Republican is going to choose? So what's going to happen over the next six weeks? This is what we're going to be seeing, and I'll, I'll keep you guys abreast on it as it goes through. 
but we're going to be sitting there. Most of the news stories are going to be about, I mean, for the next couple of days, it'll be Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You'll see her on the, you'll see different writings about her. You'll see different news stories about her. Um, they'll have her little, they'll have a ceremony for her next weekend and all that stuff. Like those things are going to happen, but behind the scenes, also the, in reference to those conversations, it's going to be the talking heads on TV talking about how it's so important to get someone through that every time that there is a presidential election year, I think there's been, I I was looking at it, there was like eight or nine times where somebody was going to be looking to fill a seat or a president got to fill a seat during election year, and it's only happened that one time they did not actually fill the seat, and that was in 2016 uh, when Anthony Scalia passed away, and it was an election year, and the Senate was actually run by the Republicans at the time, and they decided not to take it up until after the election, Uh, and then once Donald Trump got elected, that's when they, uh, and he was sworn in, that's when they went ahead and nominated someone else. So that's only been one time that's happened. So you're going to see the talking heads talking about that. Oh, well, you need to get someone through. No, we don't. Da, 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 da. That's it, guys. That's what this election is about now. Um, might be kind of boring for you if you don't like electoral politics, you know. I like the idea of, you know, this fight back and forth. I was thinking that the debates are going to be interesting, but now they're not. I was thinking that, uh, I mean, that what's going to be interesting about it is to see if Joe Biden is going to be able to put together coherent sentences if what they've been saying about him is true on Fox News or if you know he if he is able to put together coherent sentences if he does sound like he is all there if he does sound like he's doing good then is that going to be something that uh he exceeded everyone's expectations and now they say yeah I could feel confident to vote for him you thought that that was going to be about what the election was going to be about um, but now it really comes down to the two parties just fighting back and forth to make sure that they can get their person into that seat because the Democrats do feel like they own that seat in this in the uh, Supreme Court, and the Republicans feel like, you know what, this is going to be a huge win for us going forward because, let's be honest, the Senate, or not the if if the if a law gets passed and it is an unconstitutional law, it eventually makes its way to the courts, just like Obamacare did. And when Obamacare went to the courts, they ruled and said that, like, the main thing that they were fighting against was the individual mandate. And when it came to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court said that an individual mandate is okay because Congress has the authority to tax. And because the Congress has the authority to tax, they can create a mandate on the american people to purchase insurance because that's not a mandate but it's just a tax that was a john roberts thing that was the uh, chief justice john roberts is the one that said that and nobody else was thinking that was going to happen everyone that was watching it were like yes we're gonna win this thing uh we're gonna get the individual mandate thrown out and that'll force obamacare to get thrown out and all that stuff i mean i remember thinking that i was like I was paying attention at that time. And then when he said that, I was just like, holy crap, these people have power, man. They do. Because if they say it's constitutional, then that sets precedent going forward. And I was like, what is the implication of Congress being able to pass a mandate that says that you have to buy a specific product or else we can tax you? 
what is the implication of that going forward? Like that has a precedent that's set that they could pretty much say you need to buy anything they want you to or else we're going to tax you. So um, that was a bad, that was a bad law. It was also a bad outcome to the, them taking it to tr- taking it to the Supreme Court to try to get it thrown out. The outcome was terrible, and it just showed that the Supreme Court has a lot of power. So that's why it becomes such a huge issue, especially during election during elections. So anyway, I want to get off of that story. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, rest in peace. I you know I wish her family all the well. Uh, as somebody who is a libertarian, but I tend to want less government and less laws and a government that's less intrusive, I do tend to lean towards the conservative viewpoint on a lot of those issues, but also I don't want the government to be like the the Supreme Court to be ruling on like same-sex marriage and all that. Again, I think that uh, marriage should be left between you and whoever you love. It doesn't really matter who you are, really. And it's it's not even something that the government should be even involved in the first place. So I don't need them taking that up again because I don't want people to lose the right to be able to do what they want to do. Like, I don't think that that would ever get taken up. I think that the main issue that people have is the abortion issue. And uh, that's what people are most worried about that are, you know, looking to make sure that Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat is taken by somebody who's more liberal because they're worried that a strong conservative who is against Roe v. Wade will be more willing to bring it up and then they have a vote on it and then they overturn Roe v. Wade somehow. And there are a lot of court cases that they can bring to the Supreme Court. They could decide to take it and throw out Roe v. Wade pretty quick. So um, I think that's where the liberal people will have the most worry um, gay marriage probably will never be retaken up again. Uh, it's a legal thing in the United States now. That's a good thing. Equal rights for all people, who, whoever you are, doesn't matter to me. Uh, what you do in your bedroom doesn't matter to me. What you do with your life in general. Uh, so I guess on that side, I would I would sway more towards a conservative viewpoint or a liberal viewpoint. But then again, I don't think most conservatives give a crap about. Um, gay marriage in the first place like even even ben shapiro i heard him say it and he's a conservative i actually just learned about who ben shapiro was recently um i've heard of him before obviously but i never like listened to any of his viewpoints I never watched any of his videos but i watched a couple of his videos and he did bring up the fact that uh he changed his mind on gay marriage because he realized that you know, marriage is between you and the person you're marrying. And if you want to go to a church and get married, then that's fine. The government should be completely left out of it. The government has no right being involved in your personal personal affairs anyway. So I think uh, Ben Shapiro had it right, but that's the libertarian viewpoint on it. Libertarians have always argued that gay marriage should be okay and whatever you want to do, you can do it in that sense because you're not harming anybody else by marrying a man or a woman if you are of the same sex. Um, so that's something that, but back to the point of the Supreme Court, that's something that's not even important. That's not going to be brought back up. Like it's not going to be brought back up. That's not something that we have to worry about. Um, on the issue of, I, th- I think it really comes down to the abortion issue, guys. It really does. 
Roe v. Wade changed a lot in America for the power that the Supreme Court has over things that are going on. Like, Roe v. Wade was a huge dividing point that said, like, people just sifted to one side and people shifted to the other. And you're either pro-choice or you're pro-life. And then the pro-choice people will say, you're either pro-choice or anti-choice. And the pro-life people will say, you're either pro-life or pro-death. And that's it. There's no gray area anywhere in between. And that's, that is really the biggest issue when it comes to making sure that the Supreme Court stays slightly divided, you know, slightly divided. Um, but I don't know. It, it is going to be an interesting six weeks, I can tell you that, on how this thing gets approached. It really is. Donald Trump just got himself a very good motivator for people to get out there and vote for him. But so did Joe Biden. Just got a very good motivator to get out the vote. And uh, who's going to win that? Who is going to get the most votes because of this? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, like I said. It really will be. But anyway, that's all the that's all the news that there is over the weekend, guys. That really is it. Um, I was trying to find other stuff to talk about as well that would be outside of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. I really am. Um, and there wasn't too much. I mean, coronavirus cases, the number of cases are going down daily. The number of deaths are going down daily. It seems like we're in a pretty good place right now with it. But then again... There's always the possibility of a spike in November, December, January, especially during flu season. Um, are the governors going to continue to release people? Or are they going to let them lock or keep them locked down? Are states going to start locking down even more? Will the mask mandates go away? All that stuff, you know. Um, that's what I mean. We're, we're in a 2020 is a crazy, crazy year. And I was going to buy myself a shirt about like for 2021 that says I'm going to party double for 2021 because 2020 was rough, you know, Um, and that's true. That's true. But anyway, guys, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, Go ahead. And if you want to, if you really like the show, you like what you hear every single uh, Monday and Thursday, go ahead and subscribe to the show. You know, you've listened to it a couple of times, first time listener, you like it, might as well subscribe, right? Give me your ears a couple of times. Uh, give me two weeks. There's four episodes, two weeks, episodes a week, so give me give me two weeks. Listen to four episodes. If you like what you hear, keep on listening. If not, you know, go away. That's fine. Um, but also, if you want to share it with your friends, if you like what you hear, share it with your friends. And then give me a five-star rating and review. That's always helpful as well. That helps other people to find the show who otherwise would not have found it. When they type in Libertarian Podcast, it'll be like, boom, there it goes. Ion 2020, you know. Uh, So go ahead and do that. And then uh, if you would like to follow me on Facebook, we have a Facebook page for Ion the Empire. Just at Ion the Empire on Facebook. You'll find it. Post information, post news stories, post all kinds of good stuff there. As well as on Twitter, at On the Empire as well. And then uh, IonTheEmpire.com. Boom. That's the website. 
go there, check it out, scroll through. There's lots of uh, news articles you can go through. And uh, from there, the best thing you can do, though, is keep on listening. So come on back on Thursday so you have clear vision for 2020.